Welcome to the Reconciliation Conversation. We want this podcast to be a space where we can expose hate, encourage love, equip for healthy reconciliation, and emphasize unity so that all people can know their value together as one. And welcome to another episode of the Reconciliation Conversation. Uh, as always, it is a pleasure uh, to be here. Uh, Derek Delane with my, my good friend, Jason. Jason, how you feeling, man? Feeling good, man. Feeling good. Glad to be on here with you this week and excited, really excited about our guest, especially in light of the current time and current moment and even the election coming up uh, yes. in November. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. I, I 100% agree with you, man. Uh, the reality with our uh, with our cultural moment right now, uh, leading up into November, uh, man, there's a lot to discuss, uh, and so we're excited uh, to have uh, our good friend Justin Giveney on today. Justin, how you doing today, man? Doing good, Derek. Man, thanks for having me. I'm excited about the conversation. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, so Justin, real quick, man, just tell us a little bit about yourself. Introduce yourself for uh, for our listeners. Uh, that way, for those who may not be familiar with with who you are, why don't you give us a little quick bio? Sure. I'm Justin Gibney. I am an attorney and political strategist. I'm also an, an ordained minister uh, and the uh, president of the Ann campaign. Well, again, man, we're, we're excited that you're here. Uh, man, we, we want to jump uh, jump right in. Uh, right? We understand and know that there are a lot of subcultures uh, here in America. And the reality is we also know that a lot of those subcultures, especially with what's been going on right now, a lot of people are having the conversation. What would you say they would have to desire to uh, for that, the culture at large to move towards reconciliation and unity together. What are those things that they should be desiring? Would you, what would you say? Uh, that's a good question. Uh, I think, you know, we first have to start with the church. And so I'll kind of start with where, where we're at. Um, and I think in a lot of instances, it's a matter of humility and, and just kind of openness to hearing hearing other people out. So if we start with kind of the majority church I would say, you know, one thing they're going to have to desire it or be able to accept is just the history of everything that, that, that that's happened in this country when it comes to race, mm-hmm. uh, the failings that at times the majority uh, has had when it came to the civil rights movement. I mean, if you're talking about conservative Christians during the 60s, it was pretty much an abject failure uh, when, it, when it came to civil rights and things of that nature. That's something we have to deal with. But we also have to look at how that culture has changed since that's, that's happened. But just like the gospel has it, um, God asks someone of something of everyone, not just of one side. And so I think while there may be, you know, a heavier burden on one group just based off the history and power dynamics of, of this country, I think everyone has to find a sense of humility and go into these conversations about race, um, not in a posture of self-defense, but more so in a posture of self-examination. Uh, and openness and 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 having grace. And so mm-hmm. in order to find kind of a, a oneness, we need to be able to sit down and have a conversation. If everybody's going into a conversation about race um, or other issues, trying to come out of that conversation looking faultless, well, then mm-hmm. that's that's how you end up where we are today. Uh, but no yeah. one came out of a conversation with Jesus faultless. Uh, and mm-hmm. so we need to be able to recognize that and correct ourselves. Let's talk about politics for a minute. I mean, that's what this we're in this political moment right now because of the election coming up. Um, you know, would you agree? Do, do you think do you think that the current system, political party system is broken? And and regardless of whether you do or you don't, what do you really think is the future 
of parties and 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 how how do we how do we kind of reimagine what this looks like from a political perspective? Yeah, we we talk about that this in our book, uh, which is Compassion and Conviction, came out last month. And yeah, I do mm-hmm. think that the party the party system is broken. Uh, you know, there's nothing no mention of parties in the Constitution. Uh, many of the founders were very weary of of, of parties, but yet we've pretty much had a two party system since the beginning. And I think it's hard to avoid. Uh, it is a it is a uh, it is a broken system. It's something that's not working for the people. And so I as far as the future goes, I think there will be some sort of a realignment. I mean, when you look at the Republican Party, there's a split. When you look at the Democratic Party, there's a serious split. And really, the only thing holding that together is is the president. Uh, but but until that comes, I mean, I, you know, we can't necessarily control that at this right now. But I think what Christians can do is control how they look at the party and how they identify with the party. And what we've asked, what we've suggested that Christians do is not put your identity into a party. And I think that's what makes people so frustrated. It's like, I can't fit into either party perfectly. And so I'm just not going to, you know, really deal with it. And that's the choice you can make. I think there are practical benefits to being in a party if you are able to separate yourself. So one thing I ask people is when, when people uh, critique your party, do you automatically feel offended? Well, if you do, and that probably means that your your uh, identity is is too attached to the party, and and I, I think we really need to be careful with that because to me a party is a tool. So you yeah. know I've been a Democrat yeah. all my life, but you could say whatever you wanted to about the party. If it's true, I'm going to tell you it's true because I, I'm just using it as a tool in my location with the people around me to get done what I what I see to be God's will in the political space. And I think that's a better way to look at it. But I do think there'll, there'll be a real, some sort of realignment. I would love to see a third party or something pop up. It's just been very difficult throughout uh, U.S. history to make that happen. But to, but this is the moment for it, right? Like, I mean, yeah, I think even 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 looking ahead to 2024, this is the moment for it. And you'll laugh at me. I'm a URL junkie. So back in 2012, I bought the mosaicparty.com and mosaicparty.com. And 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 I I didn't buy it with political aspirations because I don't have political aspirations to be a candidate for any particular office. I bought that URL though because I kept imagining when anytime I would think about it, I kept imagining what if, man, what if there was this coming together of our broken pieces, right? The, that mosaic metaphor. Yeah this coming together of our broken pieces that brought together a lot of what you talk about in your book, which, which we've recommended, we've reviewed, we've posted in our story. You know, we appreciate the perspectives that you and Michael and Chris bring in that, um, you know, help our folks understand. And you just hit on it, but expound a little bit more on how we need to be thinking about our own choice in the political system um, and our own ideologies, how, what's the healthy foundation and focus for that so that we're not so tied with an identity and so offended and so defensive in our posture? Yeah, I think you have to start off by knowing you have to start off with a Christian foundation. So we tell people, you know, one of the problems is that we've allowed our, our um, political affiliation to become religious in nature. Right. Yeah. And, and, and we almost follow that. We, we kind of let the politics shape our faith more than our faith shaping our politics. And so we we want people to step back from that. And the way to step back from that is to really be honest about the faults in your party. 
one way to think about it is you're severely limiting your witness, whether you're a Democrat or a Republican. If you're if you're if your public witness is kind of based on what they give you, if it's based on the framework that's handed to you by either party, yeah. you're severely limiting your witness because both those parties are are flawed. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the process to create a platform, there's a lot of money, there's a lot of deals that you don't see going down. So anyone who thinks their party, you know, people come up to us all the time, like, how could you be in this party or that party? I'm like, if you knew what goes on behind the scenes in either party, <laughs> you wouldn't want to attach yourself to it uh, so tightly. And so that's really what we want to see. We want, we say, look, we're all brilliant at critiquing the other side. We lack those sure. skills when we're critiquing ourselves. And so if you that's critique good. yourself, honestly, then I think it would be obvious to you that you do want to create some distance as far as a third party. I applaud those efforts. Uh, I think if this is, this would be a prime time for it, if it's something that that could happen. And, and so, you know, whether it be the solidarity party, folks like that, I applaud what they're doing because I I like to see that kind of uh, moral imagination, that creativity say, no, things could be different, whether that, whether they are right now or not. Uh, But I don't hold back on the fact that it's a very heavy lift. And maybe the first step towards that is just creating a coalition that's within both parties, right? To say on these issues, we're going to come together and we could care less what the party thinks about it. Uh, I think that's a smarter way to go about politics. But I I applaud those efforts and, uh, you know, would hope that something uh, that that challenges the system would come up quickly. Yeah, yeah. Well, Go ahead, go ahead, Jason. I'll just real quick before you you jump in, I want to ask. So, which are you? Do you have plans for ever running for office? <laughs> I do not, uh, and and here's the reason. And I and I do get that sometimes. But I think when when God kind of gave me and the other founders this vision, it was very clear that I needed to take any political aspirations I had out of it, uh, because I think yeah. those political aspirations would have taken away from what the AND campaign needs to do. Now I'm wondering, yeah. well, should I say this? Because if I run, then I may need to. That's no, right. I can just say whatever I want to say do what I want to do and clear, you know, kind of create an infrastructure for others to do that. Yeah. Uh, and so that's what I tell people. Hopefully I can create uh, with, with the rest of the group, create an infrastructure and a, a new way of doing it, kind of a path and on ramps for others to get involved. And I, I just don't think that's uh, part of my calling. <laughs> well, uh, that makes me sad, but uh, we, we, all right. <laughs> we all right with it. Uh, well, listen, you mentioned, you mentioned a couple of things. You mentioned, you know, the coalition within, uh, parties, and then you just kind of hit on a little bit more um, in speaking about the AND campaign. Uh, man, why don't you, would you like, as with as much detail as possible, uh, break down what the AND campaign is, what they do, um, and what, like, why is that needed? Um, especially as, as Christians, as people who aren't following Jesus, like, why is something like the AND campaign needed? Yeah, so... Myself, uh, Show Baraka, and a, a pastor here named Angel Maldonado, we are the, f- the founders of the AND campaign. And when we came together, what we were trying to do was address what we saw as a false dichotomy. Mm-hmm. We saw that what, what American politics was offering people was either you care about justice and you go to the left, or you care about moral order and you go to the right. And when you go to the left, you're going to have to surrender those biblical values that you have. If you go... Mm-hmm. If you go to the uh, the right, you're going to have to surrender that compassion um, and, 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 and things like that. And so we just thought that was just a, a false choice, that we were being presented with a false dilemma that didn't have to be that way, especially when you look at the gospel. Because if you look at the walk of Jesus, 
you see compassion and conviction. You see a, a concern about folks in society and what people were going through, but also the understanding that you still had to set standards, right? And that there right. was a there was absolute truth that whether you had a uh, a sympathetic narrative or not, you still had that still applied to you. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And and that's and and I think that's where what we were basing it on, especially if you go to Ephesians uh, four fifteen. Paul's talking to the Church of Ephesus. He's saying that regardless of what's going on, false teaching, whatever, we have to be able to speak the truth and love. And so yeah. a light bulb sort of went off uh, for me just studying that and saying, you know what, that's not just for spiritual matters or personal interpersonal matters. That's for how Christians interact with everybody in, in, the, in the civic space and everywhere else to say it's about yeah. love and truth, not one or the other. And seeing how those two things are not mutually exclusive, but interdependent. And that we had to go into conversations with both of them, because if you have, you know, love without truth, I think uh, Tim Keller said that's sentimentality, right? It, it's, it's, it's loose. Yeah. Love has no form without truth. The yeah. truth without love is a harshness, right? It's mean. Yeah. A wrecking ball. Yeah. Right. Uh, and so we need to go into the conversations like that, uh, because if I love you, I do have to tell you the truth. I can't let you uh, let you think that you can make your own reality. I don't I don't think right. that's love. Um, and so we felt like, man, we can build, you know, a framework for civic engagement based on that gospel centered uh, perspective. And that's and that's what we tried to do. So that's how it began. That's what we were addressing. And there's pretty much like four prongs to what we try to do. We kind of talked about education where we're trying to raise civic literacy and help Christians apply biblical ba- values to the issues of the day. One of the most important things about when we're talking about education is helping Christians understand that you have to frame the issues for yourself. If you let your party frame the issues for you, you're going to end up in the direction they want you to be in because they're going to frame it in such a way that to do anything else would just be unthinkable, right? So when it comes to abortion, when it comes to LGBTQ issues, when it comes to immigration, things like that, you have to frame the issues as a Christian through your biblical values. So that's part of the education process. We also talk about a representation. Uh, When you watch... You know, you know, when you watch MSNBC, when you watch Meet the Press, when you watch Fox News, you don't see that type of perspectives that the end campaign is coming with. And so whenever we get a chance, we try to go write articles. We try to be on panels just so people can see a different perspective. Yeah. Uh, someone someone once asked me, well, you know, what would be the main objective of the end campaign if you could accomplish one thing? And I think it would be just to be a model of what it looks like to bring compassion and conviction into the public square. If it's a kid in Lincoln, Nebraska or Montgomery, Alabama, for them to be able to look and say, oh, that's what this is supposed to look like. That's mm. what Christian engagement is supposed to look like. If we did that and nothing else, I think I think that would be helpful. Um, so after representation, we talk, we talk a lot about what you guys talk about, which is coalition building and reconciliation, mm-hmm. right? Uh, we think that the racial divide is coupled with a sociopolitical divide. And we can't get to the racial issues because we can't talk about those some of those political issues and the the history of those issues. And until we can do those things and talk about those things together, it's going to be hard to bring people together. At the same time, we see so much opportunity there because there's a critical mass of biblical Christians. And we do. This is a biblical organization. We have a high view of scripture, small orthodoxy. But there's a critical mass of biblical Christians on the right politically and on the left. Mm-hmm. And we think that if those groups came together, it would be uh, really 
a, a coalition that you've never seen before. And they, yeah, they yeah. maybe they leave their parties, maybe they don't leave their parties. Maybe they, they just say there's things we can agree on, but that's the kind of reconciliation we need. And then lastly, it's just advocacy. We believe that until that we can until we can stand shoulder to shoulder together and advocate for things that may be out of our comfort zone but are biblical, then we're gonna have a hard time coming together. So you see underlying this whole conversation of politics and all that, that's secondary. It's really about the church. It's really about unity and helping people, uh, which, you know, which is showing that we love, really love our neighbors. Yeah. Man, I love that. And I like, man, that's, that's what I pray, not just for, for my church, but just, I mean, the church in general, right? Yeah. Um, man, 2016 was, was polarizing, man. Um, it's like, man, how do we, how do we keep this, Number one, the gospel as as priority, right? Hmm. Um, but how does the gospel like drip into every aspect of what we do, how we live, how we think, how we function, um, and it's and it not be that we're like you know trying to strangle each other because it's you know we have to navigate these things uh, in a biblical way, um, hmm. and so man, I appreciate you guys leading the way in that. No, absolutely. I mean, we talk a lot about, again, in the book, just putting things in the right order. Mm-hmm. And so we're very clear. This is a book about politics. I've, I've spent mo- uh, most of my professional life in politics, mm-hmm. but nothing is more important than proclaiming the gospel. And so that's mm-hmm. some, that's a point that we make early in the book. This is not and this I, is and I appreciate gospel. That. We're saying this yeah. is our, our primary purpose. Mm-hmm. But we are also saying just because that's our primary purpose doesn't take away from the fact that we're supposed to do justice. It yes. doesn't take away from the fact that the gospel has a social application. Um, and that's really where we need to get. Because some people are like, well, if we're going to proclaim the gospel. Everything else is out the window. Nah, I don't, I don't see. I don't, I, don't, I don't know how you make it through Isaiah. I don't know how you make it through Amos and James and, and so on and not think that there's an application that we're supposed to do, that God has placed things in our sphere of influence so that we could do the work uh, of our master. Mm-hmm. Um, that, you know, those things go together. And I think we know that our works don't save us, but they are, it is indicative of what's written on our hearts. Mm-hmm. And we have to keep that in mind. That's good. No, it's, it's, it's what exposes us, right? I mean, it isn't what saves us, but it is what, what verifies. Mm-hmm. And, you know, because you think about, I mean, the Good Samaritan story alone is, is, is that element of Jesus's teaching that says, Hey, yo, this has to change the way that you engage with everyone around you. Like, you know, and, and so I, I love that, man. I love, I love that you guys are, are fighting that fight and, and, and waving that banner. And I'm a registered independent and have been for quite some time. I can't remember if it was 04 or 08 when I did it, but, but I just got tired, tired, like, like, like frustrated, didn't even want to vote anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, to the point of like, this is just stupid. You guys can't even have a kindergarten conversation with each other <laughs> to resolve something. And why would I vote for either party? Right. Like, you know, and, and that and that's where I I was able to step back and say, OK, now I want to try to, as you said, frame. I want to try to address it from perspectives that are not framed just by a one issue alone or one thing. Yeah. Um it's interesting because you, and by the way, let me pause for a second because you may want to give me a speech on how it's a cop out to be an independent. I don't know, but uh, 
I think I'm I, I get it. I mean, I understand. Like I said, I think there's there's a practical side to being in a party, but I completely understand the rejection of of, of that. Uh, I think Michael, my, my partner, would be a little harder on it, but I don't I'm not mad at people as long as you're voting uh, and you're engaged. <laughs> I don't think you have to be in a party or that you're you know, you're ruining the system if you aren't. Uh, so, hey. Well, he he's agreed to be on with us. He's agreed to yeah. be on with bring us. Bring that up. Uh, bring that up with him. He may be a little. I will, I'll bring it up with him. Hey, I'll, I'll, up. I'll sit here and moderate that one. <laughs> I, I, how, how did I'm curious? How did you guys, you Chris, Michael, the co-authors of the book? So I understand sometimes some guys do more of the work than others when you do partnerships like that. So you don't have to call anybody out. But 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 how did you guys? <laughs> how did you um, meet? And, and and what what brought you together? And then I'm sure you don't agree on everything. So so for our listeners, can you even give an example of what reconciliation has looked like for you guys as you were processing what to put in that book? Yeah, I think we all met through mutual friends. And as far as me and Michael, uh, I, I met, probably met Chris first, but I met Michael. He was doing a panel at Emory University. I'm in Atlanta. He was in from D.C. doing there. And one of my friends or somebody I knew said, hey, you should go check this guy out, uh, told me about him. Uh, and there was this, you know, when it comes to folks who are in partisan politics, there's just very few who have stepped up and said, I'm not going along with this. And so mm-hmm. when people saw that, I think they kind of just placed us together. Same thing with Chris. Mutual friends said, hey, my guy's in Chicago. He's a politico. You should meet him. And I think we were we all helped each other out to, to know one another and kind of embolden one another. Uh, yeah. And so it just, it just all came together. We had different experiences. We had worked in different places in government, had somewhat different, you know, um, uh, perspectives to some extent, but the same theology. Uh, hmm. And so I think, it, I think it really worked out as far as writing the book. The reason that it's all three of us is initially it was supposed to be just a, like a curriculum. So we're going to make a big curriculum, give it to churches, say, Hey, you can teach this, you know, uh, for your congregations, because we had congregate, we had pastors saying they had folks in their congregations literally getting in fistfights, right? Wow. So wow. we were like, man, we need to, it was just a resource for the church. Uh, and so we were like, man, this is going to be a big uh, curriculum. We can just do it together. Uh, we went through Ivy Press. And they're like, you know what? It makes more sense to do it as a book. It can be the same type of resource for churches. But if you put it in a book form, it'll, it'll probably go, you know, happen a little better. And uh, so we put, you know, questions at the end of, you know, at the end of the book, there's questions for each chapter. There's, uh, you know, little things you can do and uh, with the church afterwards. And so that's really how it came together. As far as writing it, we just assigned chapters. And so, you know, I'd be assigned uh, certain chapters, Chris and Michael, and then we would just all review and have a conversation about each chapter, Uh, Mm, you know, just making sure that we're staying on our hitting our deadlines and all that stuff. And it's really God, because I think it is, it, it can be tough to, to do something like that with three people, but I think it was the time the Holy Spirit wasn't going to let us get in the way, and, and the Holy yeah. Spirit, despite us, probably got it, got it done. <laughs> That's, good. That's good. Yeah, there's always that, uh, you know, when you got the, the couple or the three people working on something and, uh, in college and high school, and that one person ain't uh, picking up their weight. I'm, uh, I'm glad the Holy Spirit was holding y'all together because I know it was good, that. man. They all, they all, they all diligent brothers, man. We know we don't have a lot of time to waste, and that this yeah. is an urgent matter, and we're we're going about our Father's business. So it was, it was a love delight. It. Love it, love it. That's good. That's good. It's so good. Well, before before we wrap up, I, 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 and this was an unprompted question. I did, I didn't send you this, but as we're talking, it just keeps coming to my heart. So I want to throw it out there. 
what why does it feel why does it so often feel hopeless you know what i mean like 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 there, there's no other option <laughs> i mean you know here we are again four years later and i'm not trying to be ugly about the candidates back in 2016 but i i would hear so often in 2016 i don't like either candidate it just almost feels hopeless like like this isn't going to change what what do you say to that? No, that's a, that's a good question. I mean, I, I understand how people can feel hopeless when it's it seems like, you know, the two choices are just getting worse and worse. They're not getting better. And I think part of the reason is because we've allowed folks at the extremes to be too loud and we've sided with them too often and haven't chosen to to push back against them. Uh, the folks in the middle, a lot of times are called the exhausted majority because we're tired. We've but we got to get we got to get past that exhaustion. We got to catch our second wind and move forward. That's right. That's and good. the thing that gives yeah, the thing that gives me hope is the opportunity here. Uh the opportunity to very clearly present something that's different. To very clearly say, "You know what? The gospel has to be more about my witness than than winning this election." And so I want I'm, yeah. I'm going to vote, I'm going to participate, but I want my witness to speak louder than any win that any of these politicians will get. I think this yeah. is presented perfect chance, even with COVID and, um, you know, the racialized violence that we've seen, it's presented the perfect chance for Christians to say, you know what, we need to stand up and we need to do something differently because we're part of the problem and no one else has the the answer. Mm -hmm. You know, when you look at the thing that gives me hope is when you look at, again, both sides, there's a critical mass of biblical Christians on both sides. And while nobody else can find common ground, we have more common ground than you could ever ask for. We got the Bible, we got the great, great commandment. We got the Great Commission. What more uh, common ground do you need? And so it's time for us to see past all the ideological stuff, the partisan stuff, to deal with the history, but to really start supporting each other through it. And and that's why the AND campaign, and you guys will hear about it soon, and would love to get you guys involved in in Nashville. We are with a a, a group of organizations, and we're partially um, facilitating it, called the Prayer and Action Justice Initiative where we are bringing Christians nationwide together to address justice issues, to help churches that are struggling. So churches helping churches will have a phase two. And we want to make sure that even when the media stops talking about these justice issues, when all that stuff calms down, that the church is taking leadership and still talking about it until it changes. So we're going to be calling on folks just like yourself in different cities to come together uh, to make sure that the church, that people know where the church stands and know that we're, we're about the solution and that we have an answer that nobody else can bring to the table. Man, I love that, Justin. I feel like what I keep being whispered by the spirit just to call to is just to pray for courageous leaders, you know, yeah. to, to, and you, you guys are being courageous in what you're doing. In, and, and you don't have to have political aspirations from the standpoint of holding an office, which I respect and appreciate what you said earlier that you don't want that to get in the way. Cause if you're truly trying to create collaboration, mm-hmm. you having those aspirations could potentially from that ambition get in the way of that. And I, I respect that. I think that's wise. Um, but we do need courageous leaders and it, and, and we, we need them to be able, it's almost like we need a few guys and gals who'd be willing to say, here's my resignation letter. Here's here. Here is my word in writing and you can hold it up for all the world to see that I'll do one term or two terms and I'm out. Mm. Right. Like we're not going to change the, 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 we're probably not going to get term limits anytime soon, 
But I want you to know I'm not going in this for a career, but to truly try to cultivate for change. And I just I just hope for those courageous leaders, you know, I mean, that's. No, I, I think that's right. I mean, I think a Christian, especially if you're in public service, should never serve unless you're willing to walk away and lose. Again, it's the same thing. Unless you're willing to lose, if you want to maintain the power, people are going to manipulate you all day. I mean, people know if nothing else in politics, people know how to manipulate you when you want to be in power. You want, you know, and that's what you're trying to hold on to rather than your purpose and your mission for being there. So so I'm, I'm all for that. And I think we have to encourage folks to do that. Uh, we have to look at what do we retweet? What do we, you know, what do we give attention to? What incentives yeah. are we creating? Uh, and even if it's somebody don't, we don't like, a lot of people don't run because of how we talk about people and how we treat people when they do run. And so a, a lot of people avoid it. And I was, in my time in politics, I was one of the main people who, who was doing stuff like that. So mm-hmm. I'm not here to condemn people, but I'm here to say we all need to change and create different incentives and how we support folks. For instance, uh, State Senator Katrina Jackson in uh, Louisiana is a uh, vocal pro-life Democrat, a vocal biblical Christian. Well, yeah. if you care about that and you want Democrats to be more pro-life, why wouldn't Republicans support her? Why, yeah, why wouldn't real. they do everything they could to give her a platform so that people see and hear her? But if you're too yeah. caught up on partisanship, then you'll never do it. Things like that really make a difference because when you support her, now somebody in Mississippi might do the same thing. Somebody in Georgia might step up and do it. Somebody in Tennessee might say, you know what? I'm going to get support even outside of my party because That's I'm good. doing something different. Yeah. Uh, but, we gotta, but again, we got to have that moral imagination to, to see that things can be different and not be caught up in where we are right now. Love that. Love that. So good. Yeah, and you hit it right there. It's about reimagining that future for sure. And I'll, I'll, I want to, I'll, I'll go to, I'll admit, I have not followed her and I, I will, when we get off will, this recording, yeah. Yeah. I will go and follow her because I, she I do think, one of the, yeah, go ahead. I was saying she should be one of the most uh, well-known Christian politicians in, in the nation, just based off the stances that she's taken and her willingness to go against the grain. So the end campaign supports her as much as we can, but I think Christians all over the nation, if you want something to change, that's a change agent. That's, it's good. People don't understand cool. how hard it is to do what she's doing. Yeah. Uh, and when you, do, you want to support it. Yeah. And that's what we're talking about, right? That's courageous leadership for her to say, you know what, I'm going to go against what my party in, in, in stereotypical fashion holds to, right? Like, I'm going to say, this is what I believe. And I hold to these compassionate elements of who we are. Exactly. We need that kind of courage. It's good. Well, for our, for our listeners out there, for those that are taking a new step, and they want to they want to really lean into this. Maybe even though for those taking the next step, what's some practical suggestions you offer as we're wrapping up here together? No, that's good. I think one of the things is just to listen, to sit down with people of color and listen to what they have to say. Don't go into the conversation in in, in defending yourself. Just go in to listen, and that doesn't mean that everybody they, every everything somebody else says you have to agree with. But if you yeah. can hear their heart and build a relationship, you're taking a step that you haven't taken before. And then don't be afraid to get out of your comfort zone at some point and advocate or talk about things that you normally wouldn't do. Yeah, all of us are going to have to do that at, at certain some certain point and educate yourself. I'm not saying walk out there and talk about something you don't know about. But yeah. be willing to say, you know what, I didn't do this before, but if we all do what we're comfortable with, we stay in the same place. Um, mm-hmm. Make sure it passes biblical scrutiny, but make sure that you're reaching out and willing to sacrifice for people. One of the things that I talk about when it comes to reconciliation, we also all, 
we too often talk about reconciliation just through these kind of kumbaya sessions and coming together and having conversations. Relationship, fellowship is great. I will never undermine that. But until you're talking about policies, until you're talking about resources, I think you're kind of missing the point. Uh, yeah. Because you, you got to understand that a lot of these minority churches, minority situations, institutions are barely making it. And yeah. so it's great to have those conversations. And this is really what Churches Helping Churches was about. It's great to have those conversations. But what are you willing to sacrifice to show that love for your brother? Um, and so that I think that's a huge part of the conversation. And at some point, you're going to have to be willing to take that step. That's good. good. Really good. So, Justin, uh, uh, in closing, um, man, we want to direct people to you. Um, obviously, we know you've got uh, you're on social media and campaigns on social media. Man, what are the handles so that people can can give you guys a follow? Sure. The big one is uh, to follow the and campaign on Instagram or Twitter. You can go to at uh, and campaign, A-N-D campaign. Uh, and that's Twitter and Instagram. Then for a lesser a lesser. A lesser uh, a page you can follow me on uh, the, on Twitter and Instagram at uh, at Justin E Gibney G I B O N E Y at Justin E Gibney uh, on Instagram and Twitter. If you if people want to get the book, which we want them to, if they don't, we and if you don't know about Justin's book, you can go to at the Recon Convo and see what we posted about it. But you can find plenty about it uh, at uh, at Justin E Gibney or the End Campaign. Where, where does it help the most? Where does it help the end campaign the most? That's good. And you guys the most if, for people to go buy it. I would say you can go to Ivy Press. Um, so University Press, you can go to their website or just get it from a small Christian bookstore. You know, order it from a, a small Christian bookstore. I think that, that doesn't necessarily help us the most, but I, I think it helps those bookstores. And so I, I would yeah. appreciate that, too. Well, Justin, man, we want to say thank you very much for, for joining us on the Reconciliation Conversation, man. It was a pleasure uh, to get a chance to, to hear from you, learn from you. Uh, looking forward to our listeners uh, doing the same as well. Thanks, brother. Thank you. thank you for joining in on the Reconciliation Conversation. Remember, you can connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at The Recon Convo. You can also stay connected with us through our website, reconciliationconversation.com, or feel free to subscribe to our YouTube channel under No More Night Media. We look forward to continuing the conversation with you next time.